What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet Today for June the 7th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams, as we already said, and welcome to today's show. Of course, if you are brand new to the program, welcome on in and I do hope you enjoy today's show. But this show, Caffeinate, is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time Live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams if you do want to catch up on the hottest gaming news of the day with me every single weekday morning. But on top of that, the show is then taken down and put up on podcast services around the world as well as youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media if you prefer to intake your content in those two alternative formats because, hey... Not everybody gets up at 7 a.m., and some may say they're better for it. However, I will say today is a very big day for gaming news because we have more details about Google's Stadia game streaming service, what it's going to cost, when it's coming out, the different editions. I've got you covered on everything from yesterday's big event. On top of that, Destiny 2 has a very, very bright future, something I don't think anybody really could have predicted. We have a lot of big news, including stuff like cross-save, including stuff like the game coming to Google Stadia, on top of stuff like the game actually becoming free-to-play, sort of. The pricing models are changing. We'll break it all down for you on today's show. On top of that, we have a brand new Darksiders game that has been unveiled. Ubisoft has a bit of a leaking problem, not in the studio, however, instead in the fact that there's a brand new Rainbow Six game that is going to be revealed at E3. Blizzard has canceled a StarCraft first-person shooter according to sources from Kotaku. In exchange, we are getting more work done on a couple of games that are probably going to sell better. Final Fantasy soundtracks are out on Spotify and Apple Music, and I've got more details about that Uncharted movie that I know you have been waiting to see ravenously. Nobody's been waiting to see that. Anyways, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories, shall we? Google Stadia Game Service is officially coming in November. Everything you need to know. Of course, this is The Verge's recap, but there are tons of them out there, and I would highly encourage you to check out the full show because it's not that long, and it packs a lot of information into the show. Today, Google has revealed the key details that were conspicuously missing from its March announcement of the new Stadia game streaming service. Namely, what the heck we're going to be able to play, how much we will pay, and when we can get started with the new exciting service, which beams high-end console and PC games to any Chrome web browser, Chromecast Ultra TV dongle, or Pixel 3 smartphone from beefy new Google servers. The short version is as follows. Google Stadia will launch in November in 14 different territories, including the US, UK, and Canada, with at least 31 games from 21 different publishers for an initial Founders Edition price of $130 for a hardware starter kit with three months of premium service and a $10 a month charge afterwards. There is a separate free tier coming in 2020. So pre-orders for the Founders Edition are now open, and we will get into that in just a moment. But while you have probably heard predictions that Google Stadia will be the Netflix of games, it turns out the analogy only goes so far. While Google intends to eventually have a back catalog of free games included for your $10 monthly fee, Stadia is not primarily a subscription service, and that is in bold. That is something they want to make it very clear about. You are not getting the Netflix of games at its face value. The subscription only includes a single game as of today, Destiny 2. 
Primarily, Google tells us you should expect to buy, not rent, cloud games for the same retail price you would find on other platforms like PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, and Steam. We will still sell these games like any other digital storefront, Google's director of games, Jack Buser, tells The Verge. So you are probably wondering which games and studios are on board. And the suspense will not be held any longer. The list is as follows. Buckle in, you are in for a bumpy ride. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, Doom Eternal, Doom 2016, Rage 2, The Elder Scrolls Online, Wolfenstein Youngblood, all of course coming from Bethesda, save for the first one, which came from Bandai Namco. Then Bungie is bringing Destiny 2, Capcom is getting involved, but that is to be decided as to how they are going to get involved. Get Packed is a Stadia exclusive coming from CodeSync, Grid is coming from Codemasters, Deep Silver is bringing Metro Exodus to the service, Thumper, a very cool game, is coming from Drool, Electronic Arts is getting involved, Farming Simulator 19, the one we've all been waiting for, coming to the service as well. Baldur's Gate 3, a game that got announced on the same day, uh, is also coming to PC as well as Google Stadia. There is a Power Rangers Battle for the Grid game coming. Rockstar is getting involved. Could we be seeing GTA 5 or Red Dead Redemption 2? We very well could, but hey, at least they're on board, although nothing has been decided as of yet. You've got Football Manager, Samurai Showdown, Final Fantasy 15, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, all of course coming from Square, uh, not Football Manager and Samurai. You know what I mean. NBA 2K and Borderlands 3 are coming from 2K Games. Guilt is also a Stadia exclusive coming from Tequila Works. Mortal Kombat 11 from Warner Bros. Darksiders Genesis is coming from THQ, a game we will dive into more about in a minute. And then Ubisoft is coming in hot with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Just Dance, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, The Division 2, Trials Rising, and The Crew 2. Now this is not the entire list of games either, with more set to be announced next week during E3 and in the run-up to the November launch. Still, it already looks like a who's who of video game publishers are interested in the idea, and so that may be enough to bring some people along for the ride. On top of that, as we said, Baldur's Gate 3 has been announced and will ship simultaneously on Stadia and PC. In fact, and that those two platforms will be the only ways to play it. No console versions of the game. And so, there isn't necessarily a killer app, but let's talk about this Founders Edition. So, there is a $130 Founders Edition that is going to be coming out in November. For less than the price of a new PS4 or Xbox One, the company has cobbled together its own console of sorts, a Chromecast Ultra to plug into your TV, and a limited edition dark blue version of Stadia's surprisingly cool controller. It looks pretty much like an Xbox One controller combined with uh, something of an Ouya controller, if you will. Not totally on board with the controller design, I'll be totally honest with you. But since each of those devices will retail for $70 on their own, you are arguably getting your money's worth in gadgets right away, plus the chance to choose a special founder username before anyone else. Okay, you will also get three months of the Stadia Pro tier of service for you and a friend, who like you will also be able to play on a Pixel 3 or Pixel 3a phone, and Google says it hopes to expand to other phones and platforms over time, or in the Chrome web browser with the standard HD controller of your choice. HID controller of your choice, excuse me. And so there is pretty much the uh, the controller, as you can see right here if you are watching the video version of the show. Uh, cool looking design, I will say, reminds me of something Nintendo might come out with, but... 
Stadia Pro gives you 4K 60fps streaming with HDR and 5.1 surround sound, assuming you have got the required 35 megabits per second of bandwidth, plus access to Stadia's eventual free catalog and exclusive discounts on games. The free tier launching in 2020 is limited to 1080p 60 with stereo sound and requires 10 megabits per second of bandwidth to stream at 720p. And then there is Destiny 2. As rumored, Bungie's Destiny 2 is coming to Stadia and it's the streaming service's flagship title in many ways. It's the only game guaranteed to let you pick up where you left off on Xbox or PC thanks to the new cross-save functionality, and that also includes PS4, which we'll dive into more in a moment. Stadia project manager Andrei Doronichev says, We are still working with PlayStation to figure out the transition, so we will see what happens there, although I believe it's all been confirmed in the Bungie stream. And the only one that's confirmed to include DLC, with the Stadia version bundling every single add-on, including the brand new Shadowkeep expansion. More importantly, Destiny 2 is the only game that comes free with the Stadia Founders Edition, and the only game Google has confirmed you do not need to buy separately. Though like any other free-to-play Stadia Pro title, it is only available so long as you keep paying that $10 per month. And so again, basically the way it breaks down is $130 for the Founders Edition of the game, which includes three months of Pro, Destiny 2, includes the controller and the Chromecast Ultra, and of course your username and all that good stuff, and then $10 a month for Stadia Pro. So that's pretty much how it breaks down. Now, if you want to wait until 2020, you don't necessarily have to get the $130 per month or, excuse me, let's back up. You don't have to pay the $130 for the Founders Edition or the $10 a month. There is a free version coming in 2020, which will then be more fleshed out. You will have support for Android phones, potentially. You have Apple TVs, Rokus, maybe even iOS devices. The goal is to be as broad as possible. They want it to be everywhere. So hopefully, as Stadia continues to roll out, more and more services, more and more uh, platforms are going to be rolled out as well. But basically, when it comes down to it, that is pretty much what we know so far about Google Stadia. Of course, more info coming out over the course of the next week. We have more info coming out over the course of the next few months as we roll towards November. But that's pretty much the gist of what we covered yesterday during the conference. And so what are the thoughts in the community? People are on the fence about this one. The big question on everybody's mind as if we have one collective mind. The big question on the minds of the consumers, how is this going to work with internet infrastructure, let's say in the heartland of the United States? Because if you are pretty much on the outside, if you're in California, for, say, uh, for instance, if you were on the East Coast somewhere, you probably have a pretty solid internet connection. Uh, but even with that being said, towards the middle of the country, and as you get further in, you just lose quality internet. You just don't have it sometimes. And so whenever you're paying $10 a month to play these big AAA titles, the question is, will I be able to experience them in a quality format? Will I be able to get 4K60 if I have the hardware that is capable of pulling that if my internet's not great? Obviously, probably not. Now, 35 megabits per second is a pretty solid, you know, baseline expectation. That's not a gigabit connection. That's not something that is out of the realm of possibility. But as somebody with a gigabit connection, I can confidently say that doesn't always ensure that you have a good viewing experience whenever you're watching a video stream from YouTube. So if we're talking about Google's servers, it may not be as solid as people would like it to be. You might have some issues coming out of the gate. Now again, new dedicated servers for Stadia also coming, so it's not going to be running off of the same kind of stuff that we have on the back end of YouTube and other services that use Google's cloud. 
Which brings me to the next point that I want to make. A couple of days ago, we saw Google's cloud crash and tons of services went offline. We saw Instagram go offline, I believe, including stuff like Snapchat. Uh, of course, Gmail went offline. Tons of services just crippled by the fact that Google's cloud went down. Now, admittedly, that doesn't happen very often, but when it does, what's going to happen with all of my games? Will I be able to play anything? Probably not. So a lot of questions right now in the community. And of course, I saw a poll from Jeff Keeley on Twitter that said, are you interested in Google Stadia? And the overwhelming majority of people said no, just no interest whatsoever in this kind of thing, which leads me to believe people might not be ready for a future that is grounded in streaming services, and they might be more comfortable with a console as it stands right now. And that's pretty much going to be my prediction for Google Stadia in its entirety of its life, because I think that it's a novel idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's one that in 10 years is a total possibility for how we play games. But as it stands today, people aren't ready to jump on board with a subscription-based service where they can't hold their games at all, and they aren't locked in even digitally to some kind of physical hardware. If you download a game on your Xbox One, the game is on the Xbox One, and you, you can play it on the Xbox One without any kind of internet connection. But to rely completely on the internet for streaming your games, and then once that subscription service is up, you don't have necessarily the same kind of access to your games, that changes things in the minds of the consumer. And so, will this be a success? I suppose we will have to see. I saw a ton of people getting this Founders Edition, pre-ordering it as soon as the show was up. So, it's clear some people are excited about it. I, however, am still on the fence. Uh, but again, if you do want to pick it up, it's coming out November 2019 for the Founders Edition. Then in 2020, the free version does roll out if you do want to get that. But of course, you're probably going to have to buy this sort of cool-looking controller at some point along the line if you do want to play your games on Google Stadia. But... Let's talk about Destiny 2 because, oh my gosh, I had to break out the good old Destiny shirt that I bought on launch day of D1 because Bungie has outlined the future of Destiny 2 crossplay. No exclusives, and it's a free-to-play base game going forward. What does all this mean? Let's go ahead and dive into it because there's a lot to break down. And Jason Schreier was busy yesterday. Let me make it very clear. This man deserves to get a bit of a raise, if anything, for that specific period of time, because he wrote about Stadia, he wrote about Destiny, he wrote about so many others. He wrote about this other story we're talking about. I have fantastic job. Anyways, Bungie outlined the future of Destiny 2 crossplay. Excuse me. Let's start over. I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. Bungie outlines the future of Destiny 2 crossplay. That's still not what it says. Bungie outlines the future of Destiny 2. Cross save, no exclusives, free to play base game, a lot more coming down the pipe. Bungie today went in depth on the future of Destiny 2, delivering a heartfelt video presentation in which franchise bosses Luke Smith and Mark Noseworthy talked about their Activision Free Vision, a Destiny 2 that is continually updated and playable just about anywhere. Smith and Noseworthy said that one of their goals was to embrace the MMO aspects of Destiny 2, bolstering the game's social aspects and focusing more on RPG stats. Another of their goals is to make the game feel more like a single evolving world, while the third is play it anywhere. Reading between the lines sure makes it seem like Destiny 3 ain't coming, but we will be probing Bungie about that one in the near future. But here is the breakdown of the top news. 
On September 17th, we will see the next Destiny 2 expansion, Shadowkeep, which is set on the moon and features the return of the fan favorite space wizard, Eris Morn. This one is completely standalone. No need to buy Forsaken or any other parts of the game to access it, and that will be continuing with future seasons. The game will get some big changes alongside the release of Shadowkeep. It will get cross-save across PC, Xbox, and Google Stadia as reported yesterday, and the PC version will move from Battle.net to Steam. Also coming to PS4 as well, CrossSave is completely and totally compatible across all various platforms, and that was actually something that was confirmed the day before this show was put on. That was a very last-minute decision that PlayStation got on board with, so kudos to them for going ahead and embracing the future. No more exclusive content. No longer will Sony be able to pay to deprive non-PS4 Destiny players of maps, weapons, and strikes, and the base version of Destiny 2 along with all year one content, including Curse of Osiris and Warmind, will be going free to play with a new title, Destiny 2 New Light. And that is pretty much what they covered during yesterday's show. Now, the big thing on everybody's mind right now is, how is this possible? It's because Activision isn't holding them in a chokehold anymore. It's almost like the developers have regained their passion and control over the franchise that they poured hundreds of hours into development of. By hundreds, I mean thousands. This is the best possible news for the Destiny community. And of course, I never did get into Destiny 2, quite frankly, because I didn't really enjoy the game when it first came out. Of course, I rented it, played it, and it just didn't really vibe with me. But as more expansions have come out, as these games as services tend to go, it has improved. I'm definitely looking forward to going back to it, at least when New Light comes out, if anything. But the community response to this was absolutely phenomenal. Of course, it was almost like they released and announced Destiny 3. It was so vibrant the excitement in the air was insane it's a very cool atmosphere uh, for destiny fans right now of course Shadowkeep in and of itself a very cool expansion coming out in september and that's enough to get the fans excited but cross save is something that people have been waiting for for an incredibly long time and for those that don't know how that works ultimately you now have one guardian or one set of guardians across all of your consoles all of the platforms that you play destiny on so let's say you have a version of Destiny 2 on PC and a version of Destiny 2 on PS4. You can transfer characters back and forth and you can continue leveling regardless of where you are. Even more so, the game is coming to Google Stadia and it's one of the flagship games. So let's say you are playing on your PC and you want to play on your phone, on your Pixel 3. Uh, you can continue leveling where you left off. It's crazy stuff like that that makes the future seem like it's actually here. But on top of that, the way the pricing is set up is a fantastic, fantastic improvement over how it was previously. Of course, the new expansion, nothing else is required to play it. Everything Destiny 2 related, if you want Forsaken, all of the DLC packs that have come out, everything included in the universe, 40 bucks from here on out. And then Shadowkeep is going to be coming in. That will be a different purchase, but still a standalone game entirely. If you don't want to buy Forsaken, you do not have to. Great move! These little small moves just prove how fantastic self-publishing can be for studios that are making giant games like this. And of course, I understand not every team is prepared financially to take on the responsibility of developing and self-publishing games, but to be free of the grasp of Activision has done a number on Destiny 2 in a fantastic way. Uh, so, of course, again, if you do want to check out Shadowkeep coming out September the 17th, along with cross-save compatibility, all of that good stuff coming out across platforms, a very, very big day for fans of Destiny.
And of course, for fans that want to dive in and give it a try for the first time, it really does feel like a total rebirth, which is always really nice. You know, I just love a good rebirth. Anyways, there is a new Darksiders game, and it's a Diablo-style action game with a new horseman. And before we jump into this, I want to kind of talk for a minute about Darksiders, because the game has transitioned a lot over the course of the past few years. Of course, Darksiders 3, very different in gameplay style as compared to Darksiders 1 and 2. The first two games felt very much so like God of War, uh, and then Darksiders 3 felt very much so kind of like... Uh, the new God of War in a way. It just kind of transitioned to be a more complex experience in terms of combat. Now we see this Diablo style action game. It seems like this is just kind of like a, a blank slate for people to play around with and say, hey, you have an idea? Do it with Darksiders. What's the worst that could possibly happen? So let's go ahead and break it down. The Darksiders series is getting a new spin-off entry called Darksiders Genesis, a Diablo-style action role-playing game from developer Airship Syndicate, the studio behind Battle Chasers Night 4. Darksiders Genesis will star a brand new horseman named Strife and feature fast-paced dungeon-crawling action. In the game's first teaser trailer, we see Strife fighting alongside War from the original Darksiders, battling demons with guns, blades, and magic spells, and harvesting loot in action that looks highly reminiscent of Diablo 3. And here is the game's official description. In Darksiders Genesis, the fourth, fourth horseman of the apocalypse, Strife is called upon to save humankind from certain destruction at the hands of Lucifer. True to its roots, Darksiders Genesis will feature intense combat, exploration, puzzle solving, epic boss battles, and serpent holes from heaven to hell. The game marks the first full-scale Darksiders adventure played from the top-down perspective. The reveal trailer for Darksiders Genesis confirms the game is coming to Stadia, Switch, PS4, PC, and Xbox One. However, a release date will be coming later at E3 2019. Darksiders, of course, dates back to 2010 when developer Vigil Games released the first game and franchise under THQ. A sequel came in 2012, and a third entry from Gunfire Games was released by THQ Nordic in 2018. And so if you're a fan of Darksiders, this is not going to be the same kind of Darksiders you have been playing. But again, it's cool to see new concepts and new ideas uh, being pursued and being tried. Because I believe that complacency uh, creates an industry in any kind of field that isn't necessarily healthy. Because you become used to the same old thing time and time again. And people just kind of come to expect a specific kind of experience. But to be able to change that from the ground up and foundationally uh, relabel your game something that could be anything uh, going forward. It sounds like a very cool concept and something that really does keep things fresh for the fans. And of course, a Diablo-style game, very much so the rage right now. People are waiting for Diablo 4, which we will talk about here in a moment. Uh, but this could hold you over until that time comes. So if you do want to pick up Darksiders Genesis, it will be announced. At least a release date will be announced at E3 of 2019, but the gameplay teaser trailer is up right now. No gameplay, just a teaser. However, let's talk about a leak, because man, there have been a lot of leaks this week. Ubisoft reportedly is set to announce Rainbow Six Quarantine at E3. Ubisoft will announce a new game at E3 called Rainbow Six Quarantine according to a new rumor. Reliable video game insider Nibel tweeted to name the game and described it as a co-op PvE shooter after it was first mentioned by Kotaku's Jason Schreier in an episode of the Kotaku Split Screen Podcast. Rainbow Six Siege, of course, is a PvP-focused game. So again, to reiterate, this is a PvE game that has been leaked, and Rainbow Six Siege is, of course, a PvP game. So that's about it for Rainbow Six Quarantine, although it is yet another Ubisoft pre-leak. But 
London said Watch Dogs Legion details leaked ahead of the official announcement on top of Ghost Recon Breakpoint leaking just ahead of its reveal and Roller Champions was also leaked. Meanwhile, according to Schreier, Ubisoft will also announce a small-scale RPG codenamed Orpheus with an art style inspired by The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Despite knowing about much, excuse me, despite not knowing about much of what to expect, strange way to say that at Eurogamer, we will still be at Ubisoft's E3 2019 press conference reporting live if you do want to join them on their coverage. But again, Rainbow Six Quarantine, PvE game, co-op shooter that should be announced at E3 2019 during the Ubisoft conference. And the big question is, what could it be? Quarantine sounds like an outbreak of some kind. Could we be seeing some kind of Left 4 Dead-esque game that has the mechanics of a Rainbow Six game? That sounds very appealing to me. Of course, right now, uh, we saw the leak a couple of months back, or a couple of weeks back, however long it's been, for a potential Left 4 Dead 3. Since been confirmed to be completely fake and it was a fan-made trailer, but the hype was unreal, and so for Rainbow Six Quarantine to be coming out could be a little bit of a moniker that it could be coming at a really, really good time for fans of that style of experience. But if you have friends and you love Rainbow Six Siege, you definitely want to tune in to the Uplay conference because, hey, it's going to be a really good time. And by you play, I mean Ubisoft. Uh, but we will see what happens with quarantine during the conference, which is set for just a couple of days from now. But let's go back to Jason Schreier at Kotaku, because Blizzard canceled a StarCraft first-person shooter to focus on Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, according to some sources. Blizzard has canceled a StarCraft first-person shooter that had been in development for the past two years, according to three people familiar with goings-on at the studio. The main reason, Blizzard told staff, was to put more resources into the Diablo and Overwatch franchises. The project, which was codenamed Ares, was described to Jason as like Battlefield in the StarCraft universe by one of those people, all of whom spoke anonymously because they were not authorized to talk about the project. The team had built prototypes in which the player, as a Terran Marine, could gun down Zerg aliens and there were plans to experiment with playable Zerg as well. Although one person who saw builds of the game last year told me that it seemed like development progress was slow, a second said it came back as a massive shock when Blizzard canceled it a couple of weeks ago. A third person said it was looking quite good. When asked for comment, Blizzard sent over a lengthy and non-specific statement, which you can read in full at the bottom of the post if you do have that inclination. We always make decisions about these things, regardless of the ultimate outcome or how things might be interpreted, based on our values, what we believe makes sense for Blizzard, and what we hope our players will enjoy the most, the company said. Nobody was laid off as a result of the cancellation, and according to two staff, Blizzard told the team that Ares was getting axed alongside a second unannounced mobile project, so that the company could move many of them to the upcoming Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2, both of which are expected to be Blizzard's marquee announcements at this year's BlizzCon. And of course, as we saw last year, when it comes to BlizzCon announcements, anything can change. Of course, being, uh, you know, slyly, slyly calling back to the Diablo Immortal mobile announcement. Because you guys have phones, right? Both of those games will be key parts of Blizzard's strategy in the years to come. Of course, they reported exclusively on Diablo 4, codenamed Fenris, late last year over at Kotaku, and what we have heard about Overwatch 2, or whatever it winds up being called, is that we'll have a large PvE... PVE element as well. A couple of Blizzard people have compared it to Left 4 Dead. Ares first entered development in 2017 as an experiment to see what the team could do with StarCraft on the Overwatch engine. An engine is a suite of tools and reusable code that developers use to make games, and Blizzard has been hoping to move as many games as possible on the same tech in order to make their infamously slow game productions more efficient and pump more stuff out over time. Uh, but, of course, we have a ton of 
simply text from Blizzard explaining what happened with the project, but ultimately, it's just not happening, they changed their mind, etc. The same old kind of PR shuffle. However, this is very disappointing for a lot of people because this could have been a very cool idea. The StarCraft universe is one unlike any other. It's a truly unique uh, set of characters, truly unique set of, of, just, of just world pieces that can be played with and toyed around with in a variety of ways. But I understand where they're coming from with this. A StarCraft first-person shooter is never going to sell as well as something like a Diablo 4 or an Overwatch 2. It could sell well, but it will never sell as well as the next Overwatch or the next Diablo. And so to be able to move those resources to these projects and potentially get them out faster is probably a good move on the back end of what's happening over there at Blizzard. But still disappointing for a lot of people that might have been looking forward to seeing this kind of thing. I know that DJ Wheat, uh, somebody who works for Twitch during the uh, or doing the um, creator relationship kind of stuff, uh, he said that there was a leak about 10 years ago, maybe more than that, that showed off a StarCraft FPS. He actually saw it in action and then the game was canceled. Now he got burned twice. You see that kind of thing happening. And so uh, to cancel games is something that is part of the gaming industry. It's something that simply happens and there isn't much that can be done to change that. But then it changes whenever the details get leaked about what was canceled and then people say, hey, I would have liked that. But my question here is how do you make an Overwatch 2? The game is evolving. The game is constantly being updated. How do you make a sequel to a game that has enough content being added to it on a bi-yearly basis to warrant a sequel already? I just don't understand where they're coming from with that. Again, if there is a PvE version of Overwatch released, something along those lines, potentially uh, blurring the lines, maybe you could have Overwatch being the PvP uh, that will continue to evolve and then have a specific independent PvE version of the game or a sequel or a spinoff something like that uh, but outside of that Diablo 4 of course very much so happening I don't know how it couldn't after the fan backlash last year they had best get on that because it sounds like the torches are still warm from last November however let's say between now and the time those games come out you want to listen to some banging tunes that was a weird way to say that. Final Fantasy soundtracks come to Spotify and Apple Music, and you can now easily stream the entire Final Fantasy collection. You'd look like these characters sitting around a campfire enjoying tunes. Square Enix might have just convinced a ton of Final Fantasy fans to spend their hard-earned gill on music streaming services. The game developer with no prior announcement has just made the soundtracks of almost every Final Fantasy game available for streaming on Spotify and Apple Music. If you don't mind not having a physical disc to collect, you can just fire up the services apps to enjoy the music by no Nobuo Uematsu, sure, and the series other composers, including a whole bunch of other names that I'm not even going to try and pronounce, from the first entry of the franchise to the latest. Based on what we can see, the collection even includes remixes, music from sequels like FFX2, and spinoffs like Dissidia and Tactics, as well as the soundtracks of the Spirits Within movie. On Apple Music, we'll also find soundtracks for the remakes of Final Fantasy 1 to Final Fantasy 4. Square Enix did not say why it suddenly dropped the soundtrack collection, but as TechCrunch noted, it could be part of the company's efforts to dump the interest or excuse me, drum up the interest, they don't want to dump it, they want to drum it up, of the upcoming Final Fantasy VII, a symphonic reunion concert, or in the long-delayed Final Fantasy VII remake that is making an appearance at E3 next week. Essentially, tunes make hype, music people like. And, and another rhyme you could insert there. But basically, if you do have Spotify or Apple Music, you can dive in and check out the Final Fantasy soundtracks if it is something you might be interested in listening to during your run, perhaps. That could be very action-y uh, during your Taekwondo lesson, whatever you, might, whatever you might do with your time. 
But let's talk about one other form of media for today's show, movies, the cinema, the the moving picture show. There is a brand new Uncharted movie that is slated for release in December of 2020, starring Tom Holland, famously known as Spider-Man and potentially the best Spider-Man behind Tobey Maguire. Don't don't mix it up. All right. Don't mix it up. Sony's Uncharted movie will be hitting during the holidays next year. Sony has set a December 18th, 2020 release date for the video game adaptation, which stars Tom Holland as treasure hunter Nathan Drake. An Uncharted movie has been long in development, with THR reporting two years ago Holland was joining the project. In January, it saw 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trochenberg come aboard following the exit of filmmaker Sean Levy. The latest draft of the screenplay adapting the Naughty Dog video game is coming from Jonathan Rosenberg and Mark Walker. Uncharted is set to go up against Steven Spielberg's big-budget West Side Story remake, which Fox is opening the same day. Sony announced a slew of other dates Thursday, including an April 3rd, 2020 release date for Kevin Hart and director Paul Weitz's Fatherhood, and the film is... Who cares about that one? The Uncharted movie is coming out in December of 2020, specifically December the 18th. Uh, so if you do want to watch this, we now know when it's coming. The big question on everybody's mind, what does the rest of the cast look like? Because these video game movies, they have been notoriously bad. They just simply aren't good. I don't know how else to put it. There isn't really a great video game movie out. There never has been. Uh, and so... Hopefully, this will be a good adaptation. When you've got a name like Tom Holland on board, that really does lend itself to speculate that, hey, they might be serious about this. The screenplay could actually be good. Uh, my question is, who plays Sully? Because that's a very specific niche to fill. I could see it being played by a variety of people. My personal pick, which I don't know if anybody has pointed out, Woody Harrelson would make a phenomenal Sully. It just fits for some reason for me. But again, that's just my two cents. I would love to see it, though. Uh, so if you do want to check out the Uncharted movie, could be a really good time, or it could be a burning pile of garbage. And I mean that literally. It could be bad. It could be horrible. But hopefully not. But it could be. Uh, but it's coming out in December of 2020, again, specifically December the 18th, releasing alongside West Side Story, which, to be quite fair, I don't think there's a lot of crossover in those audiences. I just, I, ju I just don't. Uh, but we will see how the movie, video game uh, adaptation does go as the release date does inch ever so close. Uh, but that rounds out today's top gaming news. Of course, we covered a lot today. We covered Google Stadia. We covered everything Destiny 2 related and everything in between because yesterday was a massive day for video game news. But you can always get the hottest rundown five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams or youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media or on podcast services around the world. But follow on Twitter to stay up to date. Of course, E3 is rolling through, and I will be tweeting as much of the coverage as I can. I will be at work, but I will be following along in spirit. Stay strong. Gamers rise up. <laughs> Anyways, you guys have a fantastic rest of the weekend. I appreciate you joining me for today's show, and peace.